All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 230. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There he is. In this episode, we are finally talking about Spider-Man No Way From Home. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to remind you to please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, including Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. Make sure that you leave a rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3DrinksInPod. You can like us on Facebook. And compliments, comments, and sponsor offers can be sent to 3DrinksInPodcast at gmail.com. All right. Second time through the intro there. I got it down. It's, only it's live. Really live. Thirty episodes, and I can finally... It just, it just takes one go now to... Well, rather, one, one screw up to to get through the intro. So, so I'm trying to, re- to recall when we last did this. It was before New Year's, I think. No, no. What? Oh, no. We did the Matrix. We did the, we we did came, the Matrix. Came back and did the, the 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 sequel to the Matrix podcast. Your rant on the Matrix. Yes, me talking for forty minutes about. Yeah, well, then we did West Side Story. Yeah, you know, I guess it was December, but yeah, this one but, is a blur. So I don't and, know. You know, and, and it wasn't because you know we got COVID because we didn't. No, no, everyone we know got COVID. Everybody else had it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're due. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm seeing all these memes going around about you know people. Still avoiding COVID in 2022, and it's like the Walking Dead survivors. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it feels, you know. Yeah, pretty much. So, so I'm excited to get it eventually. He says, trying not not to jinx the whole process. But anyway, um, so we didn't do Spider Man No Way From Home. No way home. No way home. I went away from home. Way home. Whatever. No way home. Um. Before, because I was afraid of getting COVID, going to, the, and not because like I'm afraid of dying. I think that, you know, being vaccinated and boosted, that I, you know, will just get a little bit of a cold. But it's just monumentally annoying. And we had two weddings to go. Well, well, rather, I had two weddings to go to in the last month, and I'm like, eh, probably shouldn't shouldn't go to a crowded movie theater because this movie yes, made we, some money. Yes, we had unavoidable things that we should have gone to so yeah yeah i mean i went i did it but I, did it. Uh, I saw this only a month ago so yeah I'm, I'm using my brain to remember exactly what the movie was um but yeah i could have waited because it's still in the theaters and still making money yeah People, I, we like spider-man i haven't i haven't checked i remember i think it opened at 200 million like I, I played an old podcast of like people who, you know, talked about it a month ago, and they were like, "Wow, yeah, it's really doing quite well for." Oh, yeah, billion. I think it made a billion or something. It's yeah, good for them. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's like pre-pandemic good. I mean, could you imagine what this, what this would have been like if it was, you know, no pandemic? I would have been probably higher. I don't know how much higher. But, you know, I, I'm not, you know, an industry insider, but. You know, would have made more money. Wouldn't have made less. So, no. I mean, I think. I mean, people love Spider-Man, so it was worth 
the risk, I think, of people going to see it. You know, people are sitting here like, how come West Side Story didn't make any money? Nobody wanted to see that. And no one's going to go out and risk their life to see it or, you know, getting sick. But Spider-Man was worth seeing to these people. It was fun, something they knew. So, you know, if you're only going to go out once, you're waiting for something you want to see and not taking a chance on a movie that you've never heard of or care about. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, no, but be, I finally got to it on Tuesday. I paid five bucks for it, which was nice. The, uh, the local theater, which is only open now on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, I think. Mm. Yeah, they're having a hard time filling, uh, filling the place up. So, but, um, because it's still there. It's like it's not a great theater, but it is very convenient and pretty pretty low key. You know, sometimes going to these big theaters, it's just it just seems like an event that doesn't need to be. You know, like yeah, I like a big comfy chair that I can recline in. I like being able to pick my own seat, but at the same time, like just popping in and watching a movie, you know, can be kind of fun. You know, and unless you're sitting like on the stage you're not really you know this you could sit in the front like the second row and it's not going to like seem too big to you know to, to be that close so yeah. it's it's kind of hoping that all these small theaters survive because a lot of them around here didn't i mean they you know they're going to get bought out and by somebody else they'll fix it up they'll you know that that, that that's happened in a few places but you know for a while they're just closed because the guy owning it couldn't you know couldn't make it work and so it'll so we'll see but anyway well it's freshest in your mind so what did you think of spider-man no way home i so when i when i saw the trailer for it a while ago and i saw alfred molina i was really confused he was definitely playing like the Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. Like it was no, like this is a new Doc Ock. It just, you know, it was definitely the same guy. And you can kind of cross over J. Jonah Jameson because nobody will play that part better than J.K. Simmons. So I, I didn't mind. Like, you know, it's like when Judy Dench played James Bond with two different James Bonds, you know. And they they had done that with Bernard Lee and a few other people. But like, you know, the the... These Marvel movies tend to sort of like, okay, we're doing a new thing with new people. Everyone's new. But they kept him, and that was fine. But then all of a sudden, there's Alfred Molina. And I'm like, oh, that's a surprise. And then I heard that Tobey Maguire was going to be in this movie. And then I was really confused. And I hate Tobey Maguire. We've talked about this a lot. But there are just some actors that people can't stand. Like, I had a friend in college who hated Bill Paxton. Really, to a disproportionate degree. It was weird. And that's kind of how I feel about Tobey Maguire. Like, he's he's terrible. Like, I can't, I don't like anything he's ever done. And, like, I, we can talk about the, you know, the, the same, the same, same Raimi Spider-Mans in a bit. But I was... But at the same time, I was just kind of like, I don't know. Maybe they figured out a way to make it work. And they did, because this movie was fantastic. <laughs> like This was just, I love this. This was great. 
I mean, I I don't have enough good things to say about it because, you know, it's not a perfect movie. There's, you know, problems with it here and there, and it it kind of barrows through itself a little bit too fast in the beginning, and then it kind of has to come back down. And But, like, this is, you know, this movie accomplishes a tremendous amount of stuff that it sort of has to economically in terms of, like, introducing characters and setting up situations and you know but then again it also does a lot emotionally as well you know it's it's a great movie it really is and i found myself you know deeply affected by like the sort of core emotional bits and spoilers if we have to say that right now we're gonna be giving you, you have to i mean yeah. i don't see how you can discuss it without you know spoiling things so like you know I, I i i found that a lot of that was really resonating with me it was just so well done i mean the script was just so solid the acting was so good the fight scenes were you know it was a little bit off here and there in terms <laughs> the of focus <laughs> the fight scenes were there <laughs> yeah they were yeah, i mean they were not as good as you know as but that's just the thing about Marvel movies is that the, the the fight scenes are all fairly familiar, not generic. It's not quite the right word, but like, I don't know. They're a bit sanitized and, you know, there's not, there are fewer stakes usually in the fight scenes in these movies. If like, if the, if the big fight scene of all of them was like, all right, so like, Endgame had the giant, everyone's running around punching each other fight scene. Okay, fine, but that was just kind of goofy in some, in some ways. Then there's the Civil War fight scene where they're not trying to hurt each other that badly, so it's all a bit, it's all a bit sanitized. And the CGI was great, and like I'm sure I could nitpick a complaint about it somewhere, but overall, I thought it was great, despite the fact that it has Tobey Maguire in it. And I, I don't know, I thought that was all handled extremely well. And yeah, I had a great time. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems to be the consensus is that it was a lot of fun. Um, I, and it was. Certain scenes were just a lot of fun. Um, I Here I am to rain on the parade. I think it's only fun if you're heavily invested in everything that's happened. And now it's extended to beyond the Marvel movies because how many people saw The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Not that many. No. And yet, and yet it was important. You know, so like it, I saw the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man in 2002. I was 16 or 17 when it came out. Mm-hmm. So that was an appropriate age to watch those things. And, you know, it it made an obvious impression on me because at the time no one had ever seen a superhero movie like that. You know, the CGI was heavy and the special effects they spent a lot of money on, you know, it was an event. It was a big deal because before that, the only good superhero movie was X-Men, you know, Batman to some extent, but the Batman was in the eighties. It was a long gap in between, you know, so, I knew the Tobey Maguire movies well, and I knew those characters, and I've seen them multiple times on repeat viewings. But if you're young watching this for the first time, do you have any idea who these characters really are? 
I mean, maybe you know them from cartoons and and sequels and things like that, but you know, your impression of them with Alfred Molina and um, Willem Dafoe, like specifically, you don't have that connection. Not not really. So I think that stuff is lessened for you. Like I had a great time when they showed up. I was like, hey, I know that character. But if you've never seen that stuff before, you're like, I know that character from a cartoon I saw once. But the connection is is not as strong. And that's almost for all the stuff that happens. If you don't care about Tobey Maguire, you're wondering why this old man is on the screen acting like he's not acting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate Tobey Maguire, but it, it's clear he's not, he's doing, you know, an odd impression of what he did 20 years ago. He, he's not as good an actor as the other ones are. Like he no. looked confused. He looked confused to be there too. So like, if you don't know this, you're just like, why'd they get this guy to be another Spider-Man? Yeah, no, like Andrew Garfield is a really talented guy. Um, like over the three, he's the most talented of the bunch. He's, he's, you know, you know, he, like he did, um, tick, tick, boom for Netflix, which is a, uh, the guy that, that, that did rent wrote that play as well. And, um, I can't think of his name, Jonathan Larson. There it is. Um, and that's a, that's a very difficult role to play. And he was just great in it. So, But um, so, yeah, no, but, you're you're right about that. But I don't think anybody cares. I like, guess I think, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, because think about it. I mean, like, you know, there are people who are taking their children to see this, and do they care that they don't know who Tobey Maguire is? No, they just go, "Oh, look, I get another Spider-Man in the same movie. That's a hundred percent more Spider-Man." Then they get another guy. He's like, oh my God, there's 200% more Spider-Man in this movie. They don't really care. They understand if they've seen this, you know, like the the whole, um, the the Into the Spider-Verse movie, you know, if they're over the age of 10 or 9 or whatever, like whenever you get aware of that particular aspect of these stories, you, you just find, like, okay, great. Yeah, that's, there's, you know, multiverse, Spider-Man show up. I get it. It's fine. Like they don't, it's not, they don't feel as engaged with it as we probably do because we have, you know, memories and we have nostalgia that we can kind of hook into the whole thing. And like the, the number of weird Easter eggs here is hilarious. Well, you know, but I mean, that doesn't, it's, yeah. it's lost on others, but they're not lost while they're watching it. See, I don't know. See, when I was watching it, and like, you know, I, I liked the movie. I had a great time watching it because it, it was fun and, and Tom Holland is great. But the Easter eggs in this movie are so numerous and and so deep that if you don't understand them, you're you're totally lost. Like, I wouldn't take my wife to see this if if I given the option because she doesn't know any about those other things. So there are scenes where there's like the three Spider-Men are sitting around talking about stuff. That only matters if you know what's going on. Like they all make a joke that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man doesn't have web shooters. I know. His webs come out of his wrists, you know? And like, I remember at the time, everybody in the world was like, what? They changed it. That's so ridiculous. It's gross. It's, 
you know, and it turned out not to matter at all. But like, there's no reason to have a scene where they're talking about this. It doesn't advance the plot. It doesn't change their characters. It makes no difference. It's funny if you understand that there was a controversy about it 20 years ago. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything. It's just there. No, I, I disagree. I think it serves to strengthen the whole aspect that like they're all the same person, and not only do they look different, they're like they they they're genetically not the same person. They they you know by virtue of being three different actors, but also like you know they have different experiences. Like that's the fun thing about parallel universe stories. It's why you know Sliders ran for three seasons. It's, you know, like, it's a world just like ours, except a couple things are a little bit different. And that's, like, that's kind of fun to figure out what they are. And it's watching the characters go through that in the same way that, you know, we do watching these things. And, like, trying to figure out which is the real Spider-Man kind of thing. So if you go back and watch, you know, the um, the Spider-Verse for a while, you're not. You assume that you're in a in in what's supposed to be our reality, but turns out it's PDNY, not NYPD. Like all these little tiny things that you, as the audience, will notice, but the characters don't pay any attention to. The conversations like you know where your web stuff comes from is they're fun and they're you know, they 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 kind of reinforce the device that they've been using to get the whole show on the road to begin with and it gives the story a minute to kind of breathe before the next action sequence shows up which is what you're doing at that point i mean the the easter eggs that come up there although are i mean some of them are you know the the, the biggest stretch is like there's two of them that are, that are really kind of like kind of meta one of them is the whole back issue with with McGuire, which they play off like, oh, you know, he's he's an older guy, hurt his back, kind of a thing. But that's a reference to his argument with Sony back in two thousand and whatever, when he didn't want to come back for the third movie without getting paid more money, and they and Sony was like, okay, fine, and they went out and they they called Jake Gyllenhaal. Which was a reference made in Entourage when they replaced Vinny Chase with Jake Gyllenhaal for Aquaman. Um, but like he, you know, he's like, "Oh, I, I hurt my back. I can't play Spider Man anymore." And they went, "Fine, okay. Here's this picture of Jake Gyllenhaal wearing the Spider Man outfit." And he went, "Okay, I'll do it." Like that's a reference to that. There was a James Cameron's um, script where Spider Man has like a wet dream, and all of a sudden, like there's you know, web fluid coming out of, you know, his, his net, you know, his special places. And like, they're like, all these things are there. So that stuff, it's harder to weave that in. And that was kind of awkward, but for the most part, that was fun conversations. I thought were, I don't know. That was, it, I, it, I, it works. I think. Yeah. Well, I just, it works if you get it. And I, and I think unfortunately that extends to everything else once the villains start showing up, right? So like the beginning of the movie is everyone knows he's Spider-Man and they're hounding him and, you know, he, he can't get away from people and it's affecting his personal life and his friend's personal life. And all that stuff is great because all these Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland have been about him as a kid. What would it be like as a kid, you know, to, to be doing this thing? He feels this responsibility to be helping people under a mask. And now all of a sudden everybody knows who he is and they don't like him. And so how does he handle that? You know, and he, he asks Doctor Strange to cast a magic spell. Everybody forget that he's Spider-Man and it gets botched. 
and it's it's fun and it was interesting and then all of a sudden these villains start showing up like they just randomly start appearing right like so like he's on a street on a bridge and there's all of a sudden there's alfred molina and then there's willem dafoe and he's about to attack and all this stuff and then once that happens the whole movie becomes like you gotta know stuff or you're not gonna quite understand because all the villains still talk as if they're part of their original movies, yeah. you know, and like they're reacting to everything in a strange way too. like, Oh my God, you have magic powers in this universe. And what happened to this? And what happened to that? And you just have to be familiar with them or they don't make any sense. You know, like everybody praised Willem Dafoe in this film for being basically Willem Dafoe of 20 years ago when he was camping it up and everything. And he was good. And he was great in the original Sam Raimi movies too. Goofy mask or not, you know, like everybody likes Willem Dafoe. He was great in that role. But he, I mean, it's been a while. I can't quite remember. But he just sort of appears. And you just need to know that he doesn't like Spider-Man. And he has this feeling that he's superior because of his superpowers and he's too weak to do anything and take control and be a villain. And like, you just need to know that backstory of him. Otherwise him just showing up and ruining his life doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, like Spider-Man goes on this mission to save all these supervillains and cure them of their powers and diseases. And of course, Willem Dafoe doesn't want that to happen, but like, why? And why is he ruining this thing? And why is he, He's trying to prove these points to him that he already did in the Sam Raimi films, but they don't have any history. He says, like, I don't know this Peter Parker. He's just a different Peter Parker. You know, yeah, so like I mean, that's... all of that stuff, I'm just like, man, if you don't know this stuff, the motivations of these characters makes no freaking sense. You're right. No, this is this this is not a movie that's going to stand on its own, but it's also not the first of these movies. And so. I mean, this is something that Marvel is doing now. They are making, you know, movies into comic books. It's what they did with the entire, you know, first two phases of the MCU. You know, they did it here, you know, in an even broader context by bringing in things from from other franchises, uh, you know, other companies. And it makes it harder for somebody who has no affiliation with these movies to come along and sort of get into it. But again, nobody cares because anybody who's in that position is likely between the ages of five and nine or ten. Like, maybe at the most they're 13, which they they have no idea what's going on in any of these movies. The older people in the audience... You know, we're probably at the top end of that range. We we know we know all about it because we're fans of the character through all the different variations of it, and also we've seen all the movies that they're pulling from. So, I see your point to say that, like, you know, this movie qua this movie, it's not as strong as the first movie, like the you know the 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 homecoming movie, when you're introducing the character in a fresh way you got a specific villain with 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 a, with a specific goal and he has to you know be that guy and do more spider-man things like yeah that's a better movie for sure because it's simpler and this story is contained 
this is a different kind of movie. And, you know, I spent the last time we, we, we did a podcast railing about Lana Wachowski taking money from um, Warner Brothers and just peeing in my, you know, cornflakes and telling me it's, you know, it's milk. And being really annoyed that that movie was a movie made for her and nobody else as a big fuck you to Warner Brothers for making her feel compelled to make another Matrix movie when nobody compelled her to do anything. This movie was made for me exactly. <laughs> like I, I am the, you know, if there was a target audience of one, it was this guy. You know, I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan, but like, I got all the references that were made in this movie. And you know, I it's it's that's a bit selfish, but it's also like well, people who for whom it wasn't made didn't suffer. I don't think anybody would walk out and go, "You know, I really didn't understand that." They didn't understand it, but they didn't really mind that. Like it didn't bother them. So, yeah, your points well taken. I'm just saying that Nobody, I think, really worried about that. Yeah, and that's, I guess. That's a, I, it's a knock on the movie for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, but like, like, oh, this is the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. I'm like, no, it isn't. Not even no. by a million miles. It's certainly fun to watch. You know, I mean, I cheered and giggled at everything, too, because it was fun. And, and, and Spider-Man is a great character no matter who you are. I mean, everyone likes Spider-Man for for various reasons, but like when the emotional crux of your movie is dependent on 20 years of knowledge of other movies that were originally not intended to be part of anything, you've let those things do the heavy lifting. That's how you're able to jam in all this extra stuff. You know, it's a long movie and you can get away with having scenes that are goofy and silly and fun because you don't have to put things in like, you know, backstory and, motivation and emotional catharsis <laughs> you know you don't need well, that stuff. hang on now see like it i don't know that that that, that that's true because i don't there, the emotional catharsis of this movie i felt to be maybe the most powerful of all these superhero movies because i mean you've said it up a hundred times spider-man's like the theme of of Spider Man is sacrifice. If if you had to pick one theme that carries over throughout the whole thing, it's sacrifice. So like when when we compared Superman to, to Spider Man years ago, you were saying that Super Superman's thing is that he you know he gets frustrated when when the character when the character is written well, he gets frustrated that he can't save everybody. As powerful as he is and as fast as he can fly. He just can't get to every place. Okay, fine. Spider-Man's thing is that he's trying and he's given up so much to do it and he's still getting pooped on. He still lives in a crappy apartment. He still has a dead-end job. He has no money. You know, he you know, he he was a brilliant guy who does, doesn't have like the kind of standard education that people our age have. And this Spider-Man that we've gotten is has been different than that. He's very privileged. You know, he got to be in the Avengers. He's best friends with Tony Stark. He gets all this cool technology stuff. Like, it's a different kind of character. And train of thought went out of my head. I hate, like, this happens to me more and more as I get older. It's like, I'm yeah, saying so he, a whole he, thing. 
He finally has to sacrifice at the end of the film. Right. And so, all right, so, so there's, it, it, if you take that and look at that on its own, there's really kind of two movies happening here, and they're interwoven pretty well. There's the movie about him going to Strange and saying, can we do this fun thing where we erase everyone's memory? And he goes, oh, okay, fine. And there's that. That brings up brings about the stuff with the villains and the Spider Verse, other you know the the other Spider Men's, and though that's fun and exciting and it's helpful if you know the the stories, but then once that all gets resolved, he still, you know, goes back to Strange and says, okay, we 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 made a problem and we have to fix it, so do this, and by doing that, he puts himself in an awful position which is to see people that he loves that he can't interact with it's the reason may dies is because you can't quite have a scene where like you know she doesn't know who her own nephew is kind of a thing so the emotional core of the film is him giving up his identity for his girlfriend and and his best friend and basically resigning himself to being alone and that pays off huge. That scene in the coffee shop or the 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 the, 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 the donut shop and all that—that's a very powerful scene. And how he ends the movie, getting that tiny, like you know, tiny studio apartment, making his own Spider-Man suit out of a you know cloth. <laughs> you know, it's not filled with gadgets that are gonna blow things up, and you know, it doesn't give him X-ray vision. It's just a costume. And he runs around swinging into the night. Like that's, you know, that's very, very powerful that he becomes the Spider-Man that we all know and love and that even the kids know and love, the simple Spider-Man, not the fancy Spider-Man with, the, with, with all, the, all the gadgets. And he loses everyone he, that, that, that he loves. That's... Yeah, he does. And you're right, that's true, that's good. And it's huge too, because no Boy. other characters do that in the MCU. Like they they might die, but they also then then, then again they might get brought back to life. I mean, like there, the there's, yeah, I mean. there's there there's a finality to the sacrifices made in this movie that I think is economically motivated. In that now they've 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 kind of cleaned the slate and said okay. Marvel and Disney. We gave you Spider-Man for three movies. We all made a lot of money. We had a we we had a good time, but he's ours now again, and we can do with him whatever we want. And we can now go back and tell stories that you know have nothing to do with you because no one knows who he is. It's very effective on multiple levels, but well, I don't the fact think that that's that worked. Oh, who knows? But like they, I don't think they that's going to happen. But <laughs> they dropped a lot of stuff with you know with, you know with Venom in the end credits, and um, that was I I also hate that Venom. I and I think Tom Tom Hardy's a wonderful actor, but I don't I do not think he's doing himself any favors playing that part. Well, yeah that that whole thing was just a joke. I mean, I don't think that makes any sense anyway. So yeah. did you catch who was, who who, who, who who the bartender was? No. Football is life. Oh, that guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's piece from Ted Lasso. Oh, geez. He's a good actor, and they just gave him that bit part. That's annoying. I know. He's a really good actor. <laughs> I love that guy that in that show. Football is life. It's great. 
Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking of the of the villains because the villains play a really big role in that. You know, like can we fix these people? And but they all get like, aside from say, I think Molina gets more than most, but all the other characters to just stop. They just stop being bad guys at the end. You know, like they stab. And Willem Dafoe with this special serum, he gets rid of the goblin voice in his head and he just sits there like, I'm sorry for everything I did. Like, okay. I mean, when you have that many characters, it's hard to do that to begin with, but it, they made it sound like that was going to be a thing. Like, we have to fix these people. And then at the end, they get fixed and it's all wrapped up real quick. And it's yeah. obvious they didn't, like, like, you know, Thomas Hayden Church wasn't really there because he spends most of the movie as a sand person and What's his Rice Ivans or whatever his name is? He's the lizard guy. Like he clearly didn't want to be there either. Yeah, they, they had him for one day. Yeah, yeah they, it's like, okay. they they used his voice and that was about it. Yeah. But um, all right. So, it, how many Easter eggs did you happen to catch? Because some of them are hilarious and some of them are. I mean, I don't. Rem- it's been a while since I saw it, but I think I caught all of them. <laughs> So <laughs> I win. I don't know. I, I I caught most of them. Did 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 you catch the Big Bang Theory reference? Well, I can't remember. What was it? So when he gets arrested and taken to you know that room to be interrogated, he's wearing a T-shirt that says, "The physics is theoretical, but the fun is real." Okay. That's a reference to an episode of The Big Bang Theory where Sheldon invents a, a board game called Science Lab. And you don't really hear anything else about it. <laughs> but... <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, God. It's not Sorry that good. That. <laughs> no, I just breathed wrong and now I can't, I can't talk. Um, it's one of those like Sheldon's having a midlife crisis kind of episodes, and he, you know, he stays home and you know weaves everyone matching serapes and invents a board game called Science Lab, and that's his tagline: "The physics is theoretical, but the fun is real." So, like, once you start playing with, you know, the like the multiverse thing, to me, it's really funny because. In reality, it's just a way for them to explain away why there are so many versions of Spider-Man within the last 20 years. <laughs> but if you really want to get nuts with it, you can really like, well, like, is Sheldon Cooper a board game inventor in this universe? Like, w- like there was some, I don't know if it was a Cracked article or something years ago where it, it pointed out all of the connections between various fictional enterprises so like the the ninja turtles exist here as well because daredevil and then and then and the the ninja turtles are both affected by the same ooze because the guy that 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 invented the ninja turtles was a big fan of um of matt murdoch and daredevil and so like they're part of the same universe and it's only a thing that really exists in people's heads once you present them with certain things, but like there was things about this for X Files and all the different like sort of characters that show up here and there, and you know, and, and you can have a field day with this. But that one really kind of caught my eye. Like, oh, that's a that's a thing from the Big Bang Theory. So, 
Yeah. Lots of things like that. Nobody likes that show. Only you. <laughs> no one liked The Big Bang Theory? They thought they did. They didn't. It ran for 12 <laughs> show seasons. Ter- <laughs> yeah. 12 the show seasons. was terrible. <laughs> the most popular show on TV for years. Know. That's because people are stupid, brainwashed morons. <laughs> and the more I think about how much I watched it, I was like, God, what was I thinking? <laughs> nah, it was a good show. But it was it was an old-fashioned show. Yeah, old-fashionedly terrible. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Was that the only Easter egg you could think of? No, there were lots of other ones. I mean, but that was one that kind Daredevil of caught my eye. Daredevil was in it. Daredevil was in it. That was <laughs> that was interesting. Odd scene, I thought. Like, just catches the brick there, and everyone's like, "How'd you do that?" And he's like, "I'm a really good lawyer." I'm like, "Wait, what?" Well, I mean, at least that one had a purpose to show that he was not being pursued by policemen anymore. Yeah, you know. And I remember reading some reviewers would be like, oh, that would have been a really good idea of a movie. And, you know, because Marvel heroes t- tend not to be like others and that, you know, their identity is known. It's it's not like, you know, Tony Stark was Iron Man and it didn't bother him that people knew that. Um, But in this one, you know, because since he's a kid, he doesn't want people to know who he is. And um you, know, you could have done a whole movie where basically he has to just deal with that. But I was like, eh, that's that's not what they were going for, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But at least he had a, a point in being there. Matt yeah, Murdoch. no. He was... Yeah. And it was another Thor moment where everyone in the theater was like, oh, my God, it's Daredevil. You know, like they're all whispering and everything, you know. Like, because I remember that when Thor showed up in Doctor Strange, everyone was flipping their lids Seems quaint now, but yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I think of other cameos in this one that were. Yeah, I mean, you if you go back and watch some of these some of these YouTube videos, and you know, a guy breaks down every single thing that happens in the movie, and I can't think of which what, what I was watching, but like you know, like. We found all the Easter eggs, all like four hundred thirty-seven. Like, and like some of them seem like stretches, like using the webs to pull up a, you know, you know, a manhole cover, and like just like in that movie when when this guy did it, it's like oh my, okay, fine. it's a, it's not really, but there really are a tremendous. This one has a, this one has a Spider-Man, just like that other Spider-Man movie. <laughs> okay, but like. Because of high def and freeze framing and like insane fans, really wonder how like is there like a whole division at Marvel like the Easter egg division, where their entire probably. job, their probably their entire job is to figure out how can we, you know, put stuff in here that they can make you know YouTube videos about for years. Is like, did you catch these? You know, it, I think it's it. I think you really got to have someone who's making these things that knows what they're doing is one is one step, but also like if they have a passion for it, then they, they tend to throw that stuff in there, you know, because like Sam Raimi was not a director I enjoyed, but he loved Spider-Man and he put in Easter eggs and references and stuff to his, in his films before that was a thing to do. Like 
there was no shot of making an interconnected web of movies with those things. Like that just wasn't on anybody's brain at the time. And, and yet he would throw in cute little Easter eggs. So, and then when you watch a movie like the Eternals, it was made by an Oscar winning director of, you know, a Chinese ex national or whatever she is. There's nothing like that in that film. That's a very straightforward superhero film that has no, you know, couple connections here and there that were probably thrown in by people like interns who are like we need to remind people this is a marvel movie but that one plays it very straight because i think they just hired her because she was a hollywood big shot at the time she just won an oscar you know and like hey we need something you know somebody who can do something slow and boring just like her last film that won an oscar (laughs) do this superhero movie for us and and she said in interviews several times that you know like they handed her a, a script and a blueprint and there were pages just, just said, you know, fight scene goes here. And another team of people were going to do the fight scenes. I mean, she had a hand in it to, to make sure it fit with the movie. But, like, that's not her thing. And so when you get people who are not passionate about a certain material, they leave that stuff out. Whereas this one obviously was made by people who cared a lot about Spider-Man, had a lot to say about the Sam Raimi and the Andrew Garfield films, which are not as well beloved as Sam Raimi's films are. So all those things, they just, next thing you know, it's like an avalanche of Easter eggs. And then you get the nerds who chronicle all of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a big business. I mean, like the, the thing I saw, like had, had, like had the, him, you know, crawling out of the sewer with MJ and you look over his shoulder and it says like freeze frame zoom in and it's like the name of the store is the same store he goes to to get the sandwich in the first movie but it's called that store like I forget what it is like three <laughs> like the Roman numeral three after it I'm like oh because it's the third movie like it just it seems unnecessary. Is my point. Like, sure, yeah, some, some, some of them are. Some of the big ones, I get, but like, I kind of wonder how much time they're spending on these little tiny things where it's like no one's going to see it. I mean, whenever I was doing theater in high school and college and afterward, if there was a problem, and this is a common sentiment, if you're you know as a creator of like theatrical or TV or is like, if there's a problem you can't fix. And it's so minor that it's only nagging you because you're staring at it. You know, the the thing to say is like, well, if they notice this, we're dead. Like, if this is something that the, that really distracts the audience, then we have failed in our mission to entertain them enough that they don't care about this stupid little thing. But these people go off and they find stupid little, little things to insert into every scene, and it just. It, it can overwhelm things sometimes, and it's sort of like your sort of your your, your fan service and your and your service to 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 the minutia can crowd out the story, and it doesn't happen here, but it almost does. Like, you know, like it. I could see this get going kind of far. Like, you know, I think the like the Lego movies, you know, did this a lot, but that's because that's what they were trying to do was harp on all the the nostalgia they could to you know to make their point whereas this just kind of threw it in there because like why not it's fun yeah i mean it became a movie like i mean the main parts so that was what i was saying in the beginning like main parts of the film are this way so why not just throw in the little ones too you know that 
they don't those ones don't have to be there. Yeah. I was a little disappointed with J.K. Simmons. He didn't have all that much to do. I I thought he'd be more not directly involved, but I I thought he'd be more involved somehow. You know. Yeah. He he was hyped up more in all the trailers and the material because everybody loves that character and they love him playing it. I mean, I remember the first time I ever saw him in 2002. Oh my God. And I walked out of there and everyone's like, what'd you think? I'm like, Oh, it was great. It was this, the guy playing J Jonah Jameson was the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Like I had never seen a comic book character more come to life than that guy. He, it was literally like they just beamed him off the page and into the real world. He and I didn't know who J.K. Like Simmons was at the time. Yeah, no I mean, not only did. does he look, I mean, not only does he look like him, but like he's doing like the bluster so well, and he's funny, and you hate him, but it's you know, it was perfect. So like, I I thought he he was still good in this one, but he was clearly playing a more like a malicious kind of character. Yeah, no, it's I mean he the role is better suited to being sort of like the you know the the blustering boss who really doesn't is kind of ineffectual and like just doesn't know what's going on. It's too dense to see that, you know, Spider-Man is actually the guy sitting in front of him. Right. He gets in his own way and, but still, but he's still enough to be a a hindrance or an annoyance. Whereas this guy was like out to ruin his life. (laughs) It's like, uh, why is he doing this? (laughs) Yeah. Just, you weren't quite sure what, I mean, I mean, he's based off of Alex Jones, who's a you know a, a certified lunatic. So, right. I mean, he's clearly playing these like extreme right wing bizarre characters. So, you know, hawking yeah. medical supplements. Right. And I mean, it was handled really well. Like the first scene he's in, like he's in his basement with like the caulk boards, and he's yeah. like you know green, putting green screen behind him. Yeah, the next thing you know, he's in like a really nice studio, which showing that like he's having an effect. But but he, at that point, he's just there to like remind you that there are characters who don't like Tom Holland. And I was like, well, that's you know, a little much. Yeah, no, was, uh, I also it, didn't like the uh, we need to sell more toys, so put them in different outfits. <laughs> yeah. That, I was that was so clearly what they were doing. It was definitely and, and that's just like a Spider-Man thing. I mean the 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 video game that they came out with um for the PlayStation was that two like two years ago now, um, which is easily the best superhero video game ever made. Um you know, like a whole part of that of that uh of that game is collecting tokens to purchase new suits each new suit comes with a new power but you get to run around in like in that suit and it looks cool and i don't know of any other character that for for whom there is such a tremendous array of outfits yeah he's he's definitely got the most i mean that game has 30 of them at least yeah, you know, and they're right not here. all in there. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's Which not is even amazing. Not even close. But um, but like every time he was in a different outfit, or they like tweaked it a little, I was like, "What are we just selling toys here? Come on!" Like, yeah, it's. I, I mean, they look good. It's not like they don't look good. It's just it felt so soulless. I, don't know. I actually thought the last, the one that he spends most of the movie in, 
didn't look that good. I I don't know what it is, but like the like the 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 ones that Garfield and Maguire wore, they they were the kind of classic ones. They they looked really good. They you know they have that sort of um, you know that like the web thing layered on top of it gives it some 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 sort of definition, kind of like how the first suit that Tom Holland gets and like the black one too are textured in such a way to make you think that they're like. It's like a special fiber kind of thing. But the one uh, yeah. he wears here, it looked kind of fancy. I was really surprised. Well, yeah, he's got the... They're like shiny because he's got like the metal on them. Yeah, which it's is, like that like nanotech metal or whatever it is. You know, it's like... It, it looks fake. <laughs> is so, is so, so the nanotech one is the one that he fights Doc Ock in, in in the beginning where he's got like the arms that come out and he fights him that way. Um, is that the same one you see him in at the end? Yeah, is it looks very different. He well, he they don't explain it. They just use it as a way so that Alfred Molina doesn't swing his arms the whole movie. Where like he steals some of it off of his suit, and then Spider Man realizes he can still control it, and that way he paralyzes the arms that he has. Right, you know, I understood how like how that worked, but like the so at the end, like when he cures him of, of the voices in his head, and he takes his metal arm and he puts it on his suit, he takes off the metal parts that he had stolen and puts them back, and they come out on like a little spider emblem or whatever, and so that's the same material that he's yeah. wearing. It just it it looked different enough that I wasn't quite sure it was the same outfit. Yeah, I, I think he like switches the logo around for him. That's very nice of him. <laughs> Super Taylor Powers. <laughs> I did appreciate the fact that they they didn't wear the mask all the time. Like it made it easier to tell who was who at points. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's superhero comic book thing you just have to do in a movie. You know, because even with the eyes moving on their masks, I mean you can't tell who's talking and you know it doesn't make any sense that they could pull the mask off and pull it back on as if it was not a thing, but whatever, you just sort of roll with it. It's, it's, they they it's had good happen. interactions at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, was Maguire's character supposed to die at the end of this movie? Because I'm pretty sure he was, and then they changed it. Oh, you know, I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't know, because like he, he, he gets stabbed pretty dramatically in the back, and. Yeah, they kind of make a joke about it. They kind of make a joke about it, and like, yeah, it's funny. Like I laughed at it. I mean, like, because Andrew Garfield really can. You're in so much pain right now, aren't you? Like, it's, it's that's not an easy line to 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 deliver seriously. But um, I don't know. I I, I kind of felt that that was a wasted opportunity that he should have died there. But I think people would have been like, no, you can't kill Spider-Man one. That's not good. And so, I think they were reticent to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was. That was the point. They were fo- they were so busy focused on Tom Holland's character, you know, rightly so. That doing that, I don't see what what the point of that would be. It might have been gilding the lily a bit at that point, since he just lost Aunt May. Uh, yeah, I thought Zendaya was good in this too. Okay, so she's fantastic. Yeah, she always has been. It's just I, I, she was go, go playing ahead. such a. In the first one, she was playing like the like the teenager who's like 
she's too cool for everything. So she acts out on purpose, like to act like a weird snarky kid, even though she really isn't. And then they soften her up in the next one because she starts to fall for him. And all. And in this one, she's just a normal teenager who's, who's caring and kind and like, likes to help him out. And it's like, she can play all three of these very well. Yeah. yeah. And she had a lot, she had a lot of maturity and like, you could see her making specific acting choices, but just barely like, she was engaged. She was deliberate with, you know, with her voice. She, you know, they had real chemistry, the two of them. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was really impressed with her, like handling some of these sort of big moments. Now, what's their age difference? How, how old is she? She's like a, <coughs> she's like a, a Disney kid, right? Uh, Yeah, she's, well, she's 25, but I think she started on Disney. And I think he's he's around the same age. Is he? I thought yeah, he like... he's he's twenty five. Oh, okay. Just they just don't look it because like I don't know she might be a better actor. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's not good. I'm just saying that like she's really really good. She's she's really good. Yeah, she's yeah. and I, I I hope she we see her in more things because and like you know she's. She's on that, that that HBO show Euphoria, which I'm never going to watch because it's just too millennial or Gen Z and too sad. And I just well, it's, you're not the target audience for that. No, I'm really not. So like, but I I think she'd be. Good. I wonder though how, how how long they'll play so young, act like like they'll play characters that are so young, and if that it's going to hurt them. Well, I don't. Know. I think they stop feeling young in this one yeah because but they're really only like 17 or 18 i I know and that's what you don't you know if you're a teenager it feels right if you're an adult it's like why are these people confessing their love to each other they're in high school but like you don't care because they're so good at it but like i think if they just you know be in college or whatever like you have to keep aging them up as they go yeah you know it would it would be a disservice to keep you know they're still in high school or something it's what makes him like I, I I always appreciate that they leaned into that though like you know like McGuire looked really way too old to be in high school in you know the the 2002 version and I don't know that that didn't get any better as time went on and like I don't like Spider-Man in college like yeah it kind of works better but what these three movies showed you is that, like, the whole point of Spider-Man is that he's not an adult. That's what made him special. That's what made the whole idea really unique was that he was going to be a child. And he was going to have to deal with adult things all of the time. And adult danger, adult choices, adult sacrifices... And it's the reason he's the most popular super superhero, I think. Like, if you had to take a poll, it's Spider Man. Oh, it's definitely Spider Man. You know, by 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 a country mile. I mean, super, Superman's pretty popular too, but like, and you know, Batman. You know, probably, it, it, it'd probably go Spider Man, Batman, Superman. If you had to pick out of those three, they are the most famous. But um, but it's because he's a kid, and so like that 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 they chose to set these. You know, 
with someone who was so young looking and the character being so young was, I thought, really smart because they could have done it, you know, in, in a similar fashion where they introduce the character without the origin story, which is important, which we liked, but then make him like 23 and not, you know, 16 at the time. And no, it's better if they're if like because high schools, you know, it's it's relatable. And it's just, it's such an intense time emotionally that imagine heaping on top of all that, you know, angst and heartbreak and, you know, school. <laughs> the fact that you have to go lift that building off, off that girl over there right now before it kills her. Like, that's, you know, something we can both relate to in some regards and, you know, at the, at the same time, not at all. But it works. So I was, you know, like in the video game, he's not a kid, but that's okay because you know it's a game, it's it's a different, you know, a medium, and they you, you learn about the backstory as you play the game about how he knows all the characters and this and that, and it's just uh, yeah, I think just out of college, Peter Parker is pretty good, yeah, because he he's still young, but he has adult problems, you know, yeah, okay, so. Who was the best villain? Jamie Foxx had a, a nice turn. Yeah, and I never saw that movie. Oh my god, is it awful? It's that's awful probably movie. why I didn't see it because everyone was <laughs> like, "Oh my god, movie. it's terrible." Uh, it really stunk. Who's the best villain? And we're counting Doc Ock, right? Yeah, sure, he's the bad guy. He, yeah, well then it's 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 Doc Ock. It's always Doc Ock. To me, that's that's the best Spider-Man villain of, of the big ones. Yeah, like Venom, I liked too as a kid, but Venom still has like there's not much to Venom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Octavius to me was just he was great because he like he doesn't look like a bad guy in a lot of respects. You know, he's kind of paunchy. He's you know, you know, he's not really doing anything. You know, like. He's a he's a vessel for these giant arms that are so versatile and terrifying, you know. And it's Alfred Molina; he's great. And I think that the, you know the lizard's there as a placeholder because you know it's easy to get a, a CGI lizard. A Sandman is stupid, and I you know yeah they weren't I, handled well. They no, they were not handled well at all. Um, and it's funny to me that like. Like Jamie Foxx's character is so different in this one. He's basically just Jamie Foxx. <laughs> well, say, yeah, I've seen that guy before. He's he's in every movie that Jamie Foxx is in. Besides yeah. Ray. Besides Ray. And like one of the other characters comments on it that he looks different. Which I thought was also strange. Because like in the in the movie he was in, he plays like a nerdy dork. Like he's like got a bad comb over and bad teeth. And he's like so awkward. And then when he turns into the villain, he's like glowing blue and he like plays it like a zombie almost. So in this one, he's just Jamie Foxx who can shoot electricity. And the character's like, didn't you used to look different than this? And there's just no explanation. So uh, that was really odd. But I think, I mean, Alfred Molina is great, but I, I think Jamie Foxx's character was really good because he's the only villain who like, when Willem Dafoe was going on about how they're villains and they should be villains and we, we shouldn't have to be changed, Jamie Foxx is sitting there nodding along. 
like, yes, I have a special power that makes me different and it gives me strength that I never had before. And that's something I still want, even though it's causing harm to people, which is what makes a good villain compelling, you know, like they don't look at it as a burden. They look at their powers as something they deserve. And, and that's great. Whereas this version of Dr. Octopus, he's being controlled by evil robot arms. You know, it's, it's not him. And when right, they there, stick that, that computer chip in his neck, he's like, suddenly he's a good guy again. And like, I didn't like that when it first happened in 2004, that was my complaint. I was like, why would he build robot arms that are evil? It's just, it's just silly. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. that regard, yeah, as far as like an actual... I mean, he's still a great actor and he's a great character. It's just that one little thing always bothered me. It's true. Like it's So like that. there's no choice. Choice is the thing that makes you really terrifying. And Jimmy right, Fox and is actually always... a really terrifying actor. He's... Oh yeah, underrated. he's like scary in this one. Yeah, like he 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 was in that movie, um, uh, Baby Driver. We saw a few years ago, and you know, he's really scary in that movie because you kind of don't know what he's going to do. Him and Denzel Washington do that. You know, they they have this you know propensity for portraying somebody who's genuinely terrifying in that they're unpredictable in what's going on and. Yeah, that's sort of a underrated thing about. Yeah, Fox. well, well, Willem Dafoe too. I always felt like it's it's this it's the serum he has that's yeah. making him this way. And like great Spider-Man and Batman villains too. Everyone talks about Batman villains being so interesting. It's because you know they mirror your hero, and but they make these choices. They have these tragic flaws about them. That, you know, I'm not going to say it's Shakespearean, but it's close. You know, Peter Parker tries to bring them back from the brink. And it's what he says, I'm trying to fix you. And if there's legitimately like, you know, something in your brain that's, you know, the switch has gone from good to evil. Okay, that's fine, which is what happens. But when you're trying to convince a person to voluntarily give up something that makes them strong, when it's the right thing to do, that's a better argument. And it's more interesting. And that just doesn't happen with those characters. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I uh, I just don't like, you know, for me, like the impulse to say, you know, Doc Ock was just because I, it's the character I'm familiar with, you know, yeah. it's just fun. But like, as far he's, as he's like, also, what's, cool. it's also cool. He's a cool character. Yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's, very, he's very neat. And, you know, it's there there are there are very few characters like this though that are really making choices most of the characters that that you that you that he encounters in the in these films are just sort of sad sacks that find themselves in a situation they're like they're not you know it's you know they they do have to be saved you pity them more than you fear them right and electro's kind of like that based on what i know of of the character from the you know the you know the Spider-Man Two movie or the Amazing Spider-Man Two movie, but um, mm. there, there's part of that there. But here, yeah, he's, he kind of owns it, and it's yeah. what it's it's the one thing that's going to sort of set, sets him apart from it is that it's not well, you know that's what affliction. makes right. He's not suffering under this thing. That's what makes Michael Keaton's character in the first one so good. Yes, 
because even though he's just a regular Joe with a fancy suit, he chooses to do those things. And he says, this is the way I have, I feel I have to make it in the world by being a bad guy. And he doesn't look at it as being a bad guy. He's providing for his family in a world that's unfair to him. You know, Awesome. Okay. It's, yeah. It's the, that's the motivation for every mob movie ever made. Right. So yeah. when everyone's like, oh, Michael Keaton was great in that. Yeah. Because you can understand and sympathize with him. He's the first one you see in that movie. Yeah. So, yeah. so this was good. I, I don't think it was the best Spider-Man movie. No, but I, I think I it sure was way better of, than than it had any right to be. Oh yeah, I sure had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's very difficult to, to end a trilogy because you have to make a movie all by itself that also wraps up the emotional through lines for the last three movies or the, 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 this plus two two more movies that. You know, you may not, you you may you may not, the audience may not have seen for years, so it's very difficult to do. And they did it, like they really that that whole ending scene where he gets that apartment and jumps around in that shiny blue suit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fun. And um, <laughs> our sister and her husband saw it, and he turned to her and he goes, "Why doesn't he just have everyone forget who Mysterio is?" The movie would be like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's one way to handle it. But yeah. So did you stick around for that last credit? Which was garbage. It was just a trailer. It was a trailer. <laughs> it was I a was trailer. really disappointed in that. Like, I like a good post credit scene, but I don't care for a post credits trailer. That seemed kind of. Opportunistic. I think what's happened is that because of the pandemic, all of these things are coming out at random times. Like they were supposed to come out in a certain order, and now they're not. And it's sort of like rather than make a scene that makes no sense later, let's just stick a trailer at the end of this one. Sorry, I got I got distracted by something else. Yes, you're correct. Awesome, that's great. That's <laughs> that's really good. No, I was all right, so I, I I came across an app um, that I heard about. You're dead weight, Marty. Called um, called Run P. Speaking of post credit sequences, and what this is is a giant distraction. No, so it's a app you can get on your phone, and. You don't. It, it costs some money. You get. You have to actually pay for it, but it's really interesting. So, what it is is an app that tells you the best times to go to the bathroom during a given movie. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and so you bring the you bring your phone with you to the theater. You start the you start like a timer on the phone, and. Um, it you know it'll tell you like and you can change like you know how much like how often do you want to be told that this is a good time to go pee? You want it? You want you want like two windows, three windows? Well, like you know what whatever it is. So there's three pee times in this movie. One of them from sixteen twenty five to three oh five. So that's a long time, and it gives you like a like a line of dialogue to 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 look out for, um, 
there's a different one a bit later at uh, at 37.50, and then again at one hour 33. And then it tell, it, it'll tell you how many cut sequences there are in this movie. Or, or not cut sequences, and end credits sequences there are. And it says there are two of them. And so if you really got a burst, then, you know, okay, you can go and then run back into the theater when, you know, when you're done. But, like, I always sit there and Google or I text you, like, is there, is there one of these things or two of these things? Uh, yeah, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, just, you, just Google it, for God's sakes. And you know what? Don't drink a bucket of soda <laughs> and a garbage bag full of popcorn. Have some self-control, you slobs. Well, look, look. Wrong with you people. What if you're at the Alma Draft House? It's not like you're sitting there with is like... That, a, is know, that the whole scenario? <laughs> <laughs> so you walk in, right? And then you're there. <laughs> No, but if you're at the Alamo, it's not like you're getting a giant tub of like you know corn syrup and seltzer water. You're getting beer or well, a margarita. How many beers are you having in two hours? Two and a half hour movie. If I if I was of an age and and of mine, I would be you know I'd be going to that theater and getting lit every time I went to see one of these. You get home. How was the movie? I got stinking. You know, like what? What are you doing? <laughs> What movie? Yeah. I am a canal. I couldn't get out of the bathroom, so <laughs> I got lost. But I thought that was really funny. You know, I've I've used my one P token because you only get like you have to you know, you have, you have to pay for this apparently. But um Oh man. <laughs> but some people really think they, they, they gotta go. And it's a very robust app. I'm stunned. You know? You get what you pay for, I guess. Yeah, no, but it's you know they, there are, there are three P times. They give you mm. you know each each time location and duration, and uh, you know a little line of dialogue that uh, that will tell you what to look out for, and uh, there you go. And it, I, I I think it vibrates. Yeah, it, yeah, actually vibrates and says, "Hey, this is that P time. You should you know if you got to go, go now." So well, that's that's why they're rich and I'm not, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. So, anything else? Right. No, I recommend it. Go see it. It'll still yep. be out there, I guess. Highly recommend. So, uh, in addition to all that, we want to ask you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, a uh, bunch of them. Um, you should also leave us ratings and reviews. You should check out the merch store at tpublic.com. Um, should put should put a picture of you, uh, of you wearing that shirt on uh, on on the Instagram. Just yes. just, so, just so you can see the high quality uh, fabrics utilized in creating the Three Drinks um, in Podcast merchandise T-shirts. Uh, I'm wearing the merch. It's like wearing the band names at the concert you're at. Yeah, that's okay this time. Um, make sure that you follow us on, on Twitter and, and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and you can email us at 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. All right. As always, please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time. Yeah, take care. Bye. Spider. 
does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches thieves just like flies. Look out! Here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, but he's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there! There goes the Spider-Man in the chill of night at the scene of the crime. Like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Wealth and fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward. Look out! There goes the Spider-Man. Watch out, Mister. A streak of light. He arrives just in time. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Wealth and fame, he's ignored. Action is his reward. To him, life is a great big hang up. Wherever there's a Find the spider man.